My name is Jesse Weber, and I am joined by Andy Gramuga, number one birthday stand, Kellen Ashley, Emilio. How <laughs> <laughs> dropping the last name? I think this is how he introduced himself in the last birthday episode as well. We're we're keeping the traditions going. Great. All right, it's another birthday episode. It's Cullen's birthday. Woo! Happy birthday, so Cullen. We're taking yeah, a look at the year of 1994. <laughs> Maybe you don't say. <laughs> I mean, it's going to become pretty obvious. I right. guess so, yeah. Also, I guess, quick update on the last birthday episode. We did have a contest. No one entered. Yeah. But, the, but, but <laughs> that think... doesn't mean that there isn't another contest for this episode. Do you have a contest? <laughs> it's the same one. Okay. okay we great. take the movie. So there's four movies. Uh, there's uh, there's one from each of the three major uh, European film festivals, and then there's a wild card. We each picked one of them. If you can guess who picked what, I'll send you a digital copy of your choice of the four movies. By the way, I don't I don't even remember who picked what. So this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about to look it I up just so we remember. could have it. Um, I think I you, can figure does, it out. If people want to enter for the previous birthday episode, are you still accepting entries for that one? Or um, no? They lost their chance. <laughs> yeah, I think Cullen's right. I okay. think it's too late. All right. Fair enough. Unfortunately. Fair enough. We should maybe, yeah. I guess the deadline would be my birthday, which is about a month away. So Yeah. yeah. Exactly a month away, in fact. Wow. So, yeah, you've got until the end of the year, basically, minus a week. Anyway, um, the movies we're talking about today are mm-hmm. uh, we have, I guess. Oh, what, what, which one? Which one was Berlin? Let's let's work our way chronologically. Uh, Berlin was fearless. 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 Yes. Peter Weir's Fearless from Berlin. Uh, then Venice. We had. Is that heaven? Heavenly Creatures? Yeah. Uh, Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. Uh, then, oh, I guess I did it wrong. Yeah, you're I going out of order. Can. God damn it. Uh, can we have um, uh, last Hudsucker but not proxy. least? I be- is Hudsucker Proxy can or Venice? Because Cold or Water is like the Venice. Hudsucker uh, is, is can according to okay. Hudsucker is also can then. Yeah, and Cold Water is can. Great, they're well. both yeah. can. Two Great. cans. Yeah, that's how it works. There's a wild card. Two can sand. So yeah, do we want to? Right. Uh, thanks for listening. Um... <laughs> yeah, we watched these movies, and we're gonna talk about them. I guess we sort of did it just like movie at a time last time, right? And let's let's yeah, do that again. Yep. So one we're gonna start with uh, Fearless. Yep. Fearless. in '93. Right. One of those yeah, Berlin things. This is the one of the... uh, Yeah, where they. Where and they there's a lot of them. This Berlin, like basically all of the high profile stuff had already premiered, like the. I guess Three Colors White is a new premiere. And then, uh, that's like it. Oh, the Ken Loach, I think, is a premiere. But, like, 
uh yeah philadelphia plays uh this movie fearless plays in the name of the father plays and that wins the golden bear uh even like smoking no yeah smoking no smoking which we almost talked about until we decided it was too long we being everyone but me uh that's the (laughs) ala renee film that's also a 93 premiere uh but yeah did fearless win anything did it i believe it got an honorable mention yes honorable mention there's three honorable mentions so it's like (laughs) they were they were talking a lot who was the jury they uh Who's the, uh, I don't know, I've never heard of the Jerry President. His name was, uh, Jeremy Thomas. He's, uh, oh, he produced The Last Emperor, so he has, uh, I guess, like, five years earlier, he had won a Oscar. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like a producer. Uh, Morgan Freeman is on the jury, and Susan Seidelman is on the jury. Those are kind of the big names. Uh, Fearless. Yeah. What a movie. It's, uh, it's so good. A crazy movie. Um, yes. yeah. yeah, it's weird. So Fearless, I mean, I, the pitch of Fearless is Jeff Bridges and also Rosie Perez uh, survive a plane crash and they mm-hmm. have very different reactions to it. Jeff Bridges' yes. reaction yeah. is that he essentially becomes the titular fearless. Right? Yeah, he... Jeff Bridges, his character is like somewhere in between uh, Bruce Willis in Unbreakable and John Locke. Sure, yes. That's probably a good comparison. Right. He He becomes like, right, his response to the trauma is to be like whatever like i accepted my death and then my death did not come so therefore i am like gonna yeah. gonna live without fear right and so he start like the first early very early on he starts eating strawberries even though he's like allergic to strawberries and it's like haha yes. i have conquered my allergies or and, mm-hmm. and and um and he's like very allergic to strawberries yes, like eating discovered. a yeah. strawberry would kill him right um and uh, Isabella Rossellini plays his wife, who was not in the crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's dealing with a bunch of legal stuff in the aftermath of the plane wreck, where his yeah. business partner, who he was on the flight with, died. And yes. they, like, he is working with a lawyer. Play, pl- played by the great John Delancey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, was working with a lawyer to, like, the lawyer is trying to get as much money out of the airline as possible and pain and suffering for uh the his partner's widow and also you know it's you know because he'll make more money that way and that sort of thing and then also there's this thread of rosie perez who has lost her toddler um uh from from the plane crash and is completely emotionally devastated by that as is not yeah she's like totally despondent and has given up on life and so the the one maybe you could say it's a problem with this movie is the John Turturro character, who he is this kind of he's 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 a shrink who uh, is employed by the airline to uh, help people get over their trauma, and he just seems none of what he's doing makes any sense. So basically, like he. 
he fixes it, John Turturro off screen. He kind of fixes everyone except for Jeff Bridges and Rosie Perez. And he's like, the, the thought process seems to be, and he kind of explains this to Isabel Rossellini at one point when she's like, what the fuck were you doing? He Basically, he's like, well, Jeff Bridges is too happy and Rosie Perez is too sad. So we'll put them together and they'll come out somewhere in the middle. That seems to be what yeah. his plan is. And it is truly an absurd uh, psychiatric plan. Yeah. Or psychological right. plan. Yeah. Um, something I very much admired about the structure of the movie is it opens in the wreckage of the plane crash, yes. right? And you see... Yeah. Jeff Bridges with a small child and like eventually like you discover the child is not his and like all this thing and he's got a baby also uh and then like throughout the movie you cut back to the the events leading up to the plane crash mm -hmm. it is a very like pilot of lost structure yes. in a way uh -huh. um I wonder if the pilot of lost took any inspiration from it at all um it, it, it does look and like feel like that that was also yeah. a thought I had when I like that beginning sequence where it's just like a wreckage and he's just sort of like sort of confused but also like nonplussed walking through it just like walking sort of saintly right. it's a weird movie because it's like you know, we're people on the internet. I rarely watch a movie, like, completely blind, like, not knowing literally a single thing about it. I literally just knew that it was a Peter Weir movie. It's called Fearless, and it was, and it starred Jeff Bridges. So I did not know if, if it was going to go down, like, a psycho... Like, if it was going to be supernatural, if it was going to be, like, some sort of thriller. So mm -hmm. it, for it to be the sort of, like, drama that it is sort of caught me off guard and it, it, it's pretty moving but you can continue Andy yeah no I mean yeah that's the thing like I was a little in and out on the movie like I wasn't totally bought in the whole time I, I ended up liking it overall but I think the Bridges performance is like really interesting and because he is playing chill which is the thing, yes. like, Jeff Bridges has to do a lot, right? That's, like, kind yes. of, like, what Jeff Bridges' like, default mode is. Uh, mm -hmm. it, and it sort of works, but then, like, there are moments when he really gets revved up. And I think yes. the, the sequence in the movie that really, like, took me aback is maybe the climactic sequence where he is like, okay, I'm gonna, like, Rosie Perez, I'm gonna finally, like, solve your problems. And he, like, puts her in a car... Uh, hands her a uh, a toolbox to. This is gonna get a little spoilery, so if you want to be spoiled, if you don't want to be spoiled, skip. Yeah, we're gonna spoil all these movies. Yeah. Um, he put hands her a tool like a toolbox and is like, "This is your baby. I'm gonna prove that there's no way that you could have held on to and saved your your kid." And then he like just revs the engine full pedal to the metal and like crashes the car because because one he is fearless and two he's like this is the only way to prove to rosie perez that like she is not to blame for the death of her child and like mm -hmm. that sequence is just incredibly gripping and incredibly uh just like wow like i can't believe they went there plot wise and like that that's like it is of course like the sort of inevitable thing with the character right where it's like he has no fear of course he doesn't care about like driving a car headfirst into a brick wall um, but that in contrast with like the scenes where he's just kind of like hanging out with in like the lawyer negotiations and stuff, that stuff was like a little less effective for me. And so I was sort of like the 
I had a hard time like being with Jeff Bridges in every moment of the movie. I think was my main. Oh, it is. It. You're right that it's a weird performance because you're always like, it does. It is always like, is this an act? Like, right. it, is he really there? Because every because yeah, like you're saying, like there's the thing with the, uh, the, with driving into the wall, but then there's also like the scene towards the middle of the movie where he like freaks out in the lawyer's office and like runs up to the uh roof of a building and then seems like he's maybe gonna jump and starts getting nervous and then story's gonna fall and starts getting nervous and then he said he's like nope everything's fine and he starts just like dancing around uh and it's like he's clearly just like and what i think works about the performance is he's clearly is just like at this point where he could break at any moment. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it happens again at the Thanksgiving scene where he's, like, hanging out in his Hawaiian shirt and he's just like, yeah, yeah, everything's good. And then all of a sudden his kid leaves and he's just like, bah! I'm gonna break your video games! Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the before. If the movie... I think it's one of those things where I finished watching it like uh, two hours ago, and I think I need to sit with it longer. Cause it, mm-hmm. But I think it has an amazing ending, I'll say. I think the yes. uh, the ending is sort of incredible, just the things that it accomplishes. But uh, just overall, his performance, I, I liked it because, like Jesse, you mentioned, you're like trying to figure out whether it, it's an act or not. And I think it's a very good performance of a character who himself is trying to figure that out. I think that's mm-hmm. what he's playing, and I think that's what's effective about it. It's a guy who's, like, tr- trying to figure out, like, am I just fixed, or is, is this just going to come back all of a sudden? And it's just, mm-hmm. like, constantly trying to, like, prove himself, prove to himself that he's fixed in a way that's sort of, like, sort of unhealthy. And I sort of, that's also what I sort of enjoy about the movie. I mean, enjoy is a weird word for it, but it's, like, I don't know if I've seen a movie get try to get at that specific point, that specific way of like, like you what you mentioned about Totoro's plan that's sort of ridiculous, but I think is what the movie is get, getting at of like, well he's too happy and she's too sad, and it's sort of trying to make like this point of like, well, life isn't being fixed or thinking you're doomed. It's sort of like being able to accept like the natural consequences of life as they go and just like being able to take things like one thing at a time and being able to respond to things naturally and sort of existing in either of those extremes is unhealthy and that's what sort of comes back to the Jeff Bridges character of he's trying to figure out well is he or uh, I guess the audience is more trying to figure out of like well is he fixed or is he trying very hard to prove to himself that he is fixed which is like a fascinating contrast, and I mean, it, it's again, it's like not something I've ever seen portrayed in a movie quite that way, and it, it, it's it, that's w- what has stuck with me. And again, the, it's like absolutely gorgeous ending. It sort of speaks to me, also. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. there's a lot of great uh, s- stuff in it. Of like, as I was watching, I was like this is like a very specific like thing that this actor is doing like 
Totoro uh, when he, you first are like introduced to him and he's on the plane with Bridges and he's like this is all normal and like overdoing it too much I was like Totoro's like so good at this just like yes. fast talky but like being used as someone with like their heart in the right place is very interesting and especially the um, the support group scene mm-hmm. it like goes from like Totoro like doing everything and leading it all and then you're just talking to like the other survivors mm-hmm. and it's all like pretty brutal and then it ends um, with Perez who I think is like incredible and like maybe my like MVP of the movie um, freaking out at the, the flight, flight attendant yeah, and it's like such a brutal scene where she's like the flight attendant's like I was the one who helped you and she's like you helped me right. you told me to hold my baby my baby's dead right. <laughs> and it's just like she's like freaking out it's so intense yeah that scene and that, I think like, yeah it, and, and we should maybe talk a little more about Rosie Perez in general in the movie because yes. she also like she got like all sorts of awards attention she like was nominated yes, for an Oscar was, Golden yes. Globe like, yeah, the whole, I believe that's Critics the awards. sole Oscar nomination um, for this movie yeah and I think that scene is probably her best scene although she is good throughout the movie and she is also like it's interesting because that is like that character I feel like is the character we've seen before right that's like not a particularly unique of just like grieving right like... of like it's like an archetype mm-hmm. right that she's playing yeah um, right. which is not a knock on the character really but it is like mm-hmm. I think it does sort of represent like that extra degree of difficulty that she faces playing that role uh, and I think she is remarkable in the movie and she mm-hmm. is able to play a lot of that standard stuff with just such a fierce commitment to it and a real just like you really do feel like the depths of her despair and like the yeah. the, the juxtaposition of her with Jeff Daniels or Jeff Bridges, excuse me. Bridges. Um, Jeff Bridges. I'm hopefully I only do that once today. Um, uh, is like the the way that they're in relief with each other. Like his like even killed this allows her to go like even deeper in her um, in like her her portrayal of that grief and that depths. And I think yeah, it's a it's a really remarkable performance of a role that like I think could be very cliched and like notes we've seen before. Yes. Yeah, and especially like mentioning the the lost comparison of like it um like f- like less of just the pilot of lost but like more of lost as a show just because it deals with the plane crash so much is like uh the movie keeps flashing back to the plane crash like in certain scenes and when you sort of flash back to perez on the plane uh, and she's like dealing with the steward uh, the flight attendant who's like telling her to hold the baby it like cuts from the baby like looking at the camera just to like the picture of the baby and like like a very obvious like this baby's dead like photograph that someone would keep and she's just like morose in the bed like completely like destroyed um and it's just such a brutal cut from like her like freaking out like hyperventilating with the baby basically uh and then the other scene of hers i mean there's a lot of great stuff like when she is the the scene at the mall is like another favorite when she's like smelling the baby as she walks by yeah Uh, but the one wild uh, when she um, and he was talking about the toolbox scene, the scene that like precedes that is her like having the breakdown and like exposing the sort of like lie that she's been telling to get money from like uh, with the lawyer and like her husband Benicio del Toro as like a little baby Benicio. Boy, um, it's more a lie of omission where like she doesn't yes. she she is not mentioned that on impact she let go of the baby. Yes. But she's, like, freaking out and, like, mm-hmm. just having a full breakdown. And it's, like, a very, like, 
it could be like too pitched or like too arch yeah. and it's, it's like uh-huh. goes big while playing it straight in a way that I was like this is like exactly what I like like out of this sort of because like the whole movie I think does that where it's like it could like tiptoe into like Michael or like some other sort of like weird like plinky plunky score like spiritual movie <laughs> and it like doesn't at all and it's like very grounded in a way that I was like this is like the vibe that I like or like Lorenzo's Oil like that is way too much for me. It's like Lorenzo's oil. And this does like similar things of like grief and trauma, like without uh, feeling like uh, an opera. <laughs> right. And there's, if I remember right, there's not much score in it. And then the, no. the really great thing is the, uh, the driving into the wall scene is scored to the intro to, uh, where the streets have no name yeah. yes. and instead of you think it's like it kind of is leading into you you, you to be like oh and then something the eventually bono's gonna start singing right. and you something get, triumphant like a little bit of bono happen. yodeling but no lyrics right. right but instead it's just like they hit the wall and the song stops yeah. it's great uh can i provide the worst segue of all time yeah sure. great so, uh, Peter Weir's previous movie, uh, which I've never heard of, is a romantic comedy. Uh, one of the stars is Andy McDowell. This is a romantic comedy that won the Golden Globe for uh, Best Motion Picture mm. Musical or Comedy. It also won Best Actor Musical or Comedy. And that actor, across from Andy McDowell is Gerard Depardieu, who is French. And now we're going to talk about Cold Water. Okay. Anybody want to start off talking about Cold Water? Yeah. Another good music movie. I mean, maybe to provide a little bit of background. Uh, so this, is, this was originally commissioned as part of a French television program or like a anthology show in the 90s that was called like the young people of france or something uh it's olivia like, did we say that it's olivia Asseas. yes it's directed by olivia Asseas. there's movie like uh, the the other famous most famous movie i think from the series is uh uh claire denis u.s go home which that is that is much shorter than this. That is the length it was supposed to be. This, Cold Water, I think there maybe is a cut that is shorter, but was made into a feature film, because Ayas was like, nah, this is a feature film. And I think maybe even some of the music is different, because of, like, right stuff. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, this premieres in A Certain Regard, It Can, in 94. It's like... Asayas's fourth movie, I think. Uh, but I don't think he's had, like, a... This is maybe his first one that, like, people really uh, talk about. Like, what are the ones before this? Uh, yeah, it's like no one really knows the ones that come before this. Uh, he, he wrote... He did a lot of shorts, and he had a number of screenplays that he didn't direct. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of... I would say I think this is kind of his breakout, uh, and then it's followed up a couple of years later by Irma Vep. Uh, so yeah, I think I think we all kind of like Asayas. This I think at a at a 
I think pre me seeing Irmavep, I would have said that this is my favorite Asayas. And uh, in rewatching it, because I'd seen, I think for the first time, like last year or maybe the year before, because it like very recently had like mm-hmm. it's like remaster put out by Criterion and like Janice or whatever. Um, yes. But uh, it is one that like when I was rewatching it, I was like, maybe I don't like this as much because it starts off like pretty slow and it's just like uh, these two teens, uh, you know, guy and a girl, they're a couple. Uh, they are like into rock music and they uh, try and like steal a bunch of records from this like department story, like record story thing. Uh, and the guy gets away with the records and the girl um, ends up like yeah. very, uh, I don't know if you guys had the thought while watching it uh, that it was like good time. Um, Cause it's like very similar to like her breaking through the glass and like him running away. Um, kind but, of. Um, yeah. Yeah, with these records they were stealing, I for whatever reason, I just find the idea of French teenagers listening to Credence Clearwater Revival very funny. Yeah, I, I, I had that same thought of like, hmm, this seems like such American music. Like right, like Exile Creed- on Main Street, I saw is one of, they don't play anything from that, but I saw that as one of the albums they were taking, and I'm like, yeah, sure, that's certainly got american influences but it's also like kind of international and like they play like a nick cave song and it's like sure that makes sense but yeah the credence clearwater revival specifically uh i found very funny entertaining uh but yeah Uh, but so then it's like the majority of like it's like only 90 minutes and like the majority of like the first third basically is like the guy in school and like dealing with like his girlfriend's like stepdad basically or like his his girlfriend's mom's boyfriend and then her like dealing with the police after she gets right. arrested and then um like going to like an asylum basically like a boarding school or something like uh she's like locked up basically and um they eventually like reconvene yes. at this big like outdoor party in the middle of the like woods where it's just like an old yeah, abandoned she, house like, with all these other like yeah um and uh then they like go through the party which is like this section that i think is the best where it's just like a bunch of people listening to music um yes, definitely. but then i do i really do like the ending a lot as well where like they eventually leave the party and like he runs into her mom and they're like talking about like what she wants like what the daughter wants and like how she like she's like is she does she want to live with her dad or whatever and then they eventually like go like on the lamb essentially and she ends up committing suicide uh or does she she leaves a note i think even if she doesn't intentionally commit suicide she very quickly dies of exposure yeah well i don't know if she even drowns she just like even if she doesn't drown she just like is too cold and dies fair play yeah my kind of uh the process i sort of went through with this movie was like the beginning i was kind of you were saying it's kind of slow and i was also kind of just like uh these kids are annoying i don't like them and then like the party scene happens and you kind of just get into it uh and it's fun and the music's good and 
then the end happens, mm-hmm. and I was just kind of like, huh, that's an ending. And then that was like an hour ago, so. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, Do you know what? That is sort of my reaction to yeah. it all, so I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think I'm in a similar boat, where it's like, yeah, I don't really like these kids. They're behaving poorly. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not like that. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. But uh, you should I, be yeah, doing I, your I never really work. connected with the kids. <laughs> The uh, the party <laughs> looked very stressful and dangerous. That fire was okay. not under their control. Uh, the okay, don't you know what? Don't lump us in. Yeah. So that's yeah. everyone else yeah. but my yeah. opinion. Our reaction and Andy's reaction is yeah. sure. different. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It, I had a hard time connecting. I think this is a particularly poor like quarantine watch. Like I, like I was not really ever hooked into it with the characters. Like. It was my yeah that that is that is a thing I will agree on that I think yeah. it was a weird thing where I was just like very distracted and I just like yeah. did not connect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I do like a couple of the other movies today we talked about. I was like all in on because they were like very big and bold and like loud and yeah. attention grabbing, and this is sure. like the opposite of that where it was like I really struggled to 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 maintain with it the whole time. But it, it yeah, I I thought it was like nice enough i did like the ending i thought the ending was very well done but it um it did not it did, it did take me a, a while to really get any sort of connection into it uh, i'm, I'm imagining the ending favorite. just andy watching his hands and they got one yeah the exactly, yep, exactly. Like, <laughs> and that's come up and that's why you don't throw a party in the woods uh, there's another asayas movie called something in the air that's like very similar and it's um like the uh the era like it's him going back to like this era and like people like i think will even sort of uh give it like pseudo sequel like you know laurels or or whatever but it's like much more uh as like these students as like activists and like um instead of just sort of like hanging around and like partying <laughs> no yeah that makes sense if i like i have a weird relationship to athias and that i think I've only seen his movies from this last decade, but I've sort of almost seen them all. I think what the 2012 one is the one I'm missing. What's that? It's like summer. That's something in the air. That's something in the air. Okay, yeah. Uh, But apart from that, it's like so. I've seen like you know four or five movies of his, and I very much and I like love some of them, and like I'm sort of nonplussed by the other. And this sort of falls into that second category. It's weird because. The thought I had watching it was sort of well. I'm sort of coming to this conclusion now of like, this is why I loved Lovers Rock because Lovers Rock is a movie that will just be like, here is just the kids dancing, and we're not gonna give you any of the like very boring bullshit about their personal family lives. You you can we'll just let you have the euphoria without having to drown it. But like, but I'm trying to escape my mom, and my dad doesn't like me, and. Like I'm rich, but I don't really wanna be be live my life though this way. I wanna rebel, and I, I just sort of those sorts of it's like a movie. I think I guess I I'm not really asking to watch the TV cut, but like um the version of this movie where it just like cuts through some of that and just like gets to like the or like at least presents more of their problems at the party, which is I think the part the part where we all agree where it like is sort of working yes. the most in terms of just like what it's trying to be, then I think I would like it more. But I, it's like four, it's like an hour and a half long movie that takes 40 minutes to get to the part where I think it's 
finally like working for me so i just like don't really vibe with it i do agree with andy that i think the ending is very good i do sort of like appreciate the way that these like i guess not they're not really star-crossed lovers but i do like appreciate how their escape is not presented as like completely lovely fantastical that there are struggles for what they are trying to do and that like it's tough and they're maybe are a little young and didn't consider all of the things that could could happen to them and i think it worked and i think it's sort of poetic and beautiful it ending on like the blank sort of suicide note or whatever is like yes. a very it's like a gorgeous touch but yeah overall the movie i'm, I'm sort of uh, yeah, us go home is much more like all the party essentially like there's a little bit yeah and that was like that's the thing about this series is that the the requirement for the series was like you gotta have a big party scene in the middle so we can put a bunch of big music in and that's why us go home is not widely circulated because for the ones that were just on tv the music rights were only cleared to air it on tv so like you can find us go home but it's not like officially available anywhere uh and yeah that is definite as Cullen was saying that movie is kind of like more about the party it also has the benefit of like once they leave the party vincent gallo shows up for 10 minutes and does his thing so like you get that but yeah, yeah vincent gallo is like a weird like gi <laughs> yes Emilio, I do want to say, Amelia mentioned Lovers Rock, available today in the U.S. On, on on Amazon Prime the day this episode releases. So check that out if you're yeah, if you haven't movie. heard about it yet. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess I don't really have any more thoughts. This is probably yeah, the least favorite of Sayas I've seen, and it was my least favorite of these four. But it was still it's, it's better than nonfiction. That's true, but nonfiction is also very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I meant like nonfiction. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, nonfiction is like about arguments in a way that I yeah. Do. Yeah, nonfiction is an. Mm, Andy relates to the the movie more about like upper crust <laughs> intellectual <laughs> snobs and, yeah, intellectual and assholes. <laughs> yeah, than than the kids who like are Heart just scrap. smoking yeah. and being like, I don't smoking care. Smoking hash. Yeah. <laughs> really yeah. showing your ass. Andy. <laughs> Andy has had sex watching The Force Awakens or whatever the fuck that story is. That sounds like that 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 goes on for fucking ever. (laughs) You're wrong, dude. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's no watch network, but. You, you know, everybody out yeah, is watching even out. That's out, right? It's on it's Netflix. Like, yeah, it's on Netflix. I haven't seen the new cut yet. People just watch 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 Network. That's good. That's yeah. a good movie. You know what else is a good movie is the Hudsucker Proxy, directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, which was in competition at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, this is a this is another one that it premiered in the U.S. in March, and then it showed up at Cannes a couple months later, and it's so fucking funny. I mean, uh, it's got yeah, that that's all, so kind of all I got to yeah. say about it. I mean, yeah, this is like, yeah, I was talking about, and it was. Oh, that's the other thing is it was the opener for uh, the festival, right? See, so, yeah, I was talking about it's like it's so heightened and so like big and loud and like this is what we're doing. Uh, that like, I, it's just such an engaging movie. I feel like, and it's like it's it's so it's such a fun watch. It's pretty breezy. Uh, there's like one element where I'm like a little not sure about their use of it but i think like 
many of the archetypes they're playing with are just so fun to see them use and 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 make fun of like obviously the production design is like probably so the good. best of their career like it's just such a yeah it's I mean, their it's, like, it's like the most of their because this is like right is this is this their most expensive movie i'm i think it so. might it might be it was their like it's their like studio movie right like that yes, it was the only time so. they were ever like we're gonna yeah. make like a big movie that's like maybe aimed at more of mainstream audiences from the get-go and then it like flopped super hard yes yeah, it's like right because it's like post Barton Fink, they got some mm-hmm. juice, and then Joel Silver yeah. brings them into like the studio system, and they're like, "Oh, we have money. We're gonna build an entire like old timey like beep boom beep boom city." Right. <laughs> god, the model work is oh my god, it's just so incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Just like, have you ever seen the shots of the of like the uh uh God, I forget his name. Uh. What's tall Tim Robbins like shooting the him the him hanging off the building? No scenes because those are in, like, insane. Just like the models of the buildings that they built and him just like standing uh, on them and stuff. It's it's very fun. Mm-hmm. Obviously yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee, we stand incredible legend, talking about her two pul- yeah. Pulitzers. That's the yeah. thing with this movie is yes. like I had always sort I of bet considered my two it, on it. I had always sort of considered it like lesser Coens because when I first watched it I didn't fully vibe with it but when I was watching it this time I was like this is so damn funny <laughs> the double stitch joke is like one of yeah. the best things I've ever seen <laughs> yeah I mean I watched this like as I was like uh, uh, when Buster Scruggs came out I was like oh I only have a few left I should finish them of the Coens movies so this was one of that little run and it uh I think, like, of those last few movies, because two of the last few that I had were Intolerable Cruelty and The Lady Killers. It's the one I was the most into. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It Not that I don't like those movies uh, quite a bit, both of them. Uh, but, yeah, it's great. It's uh, Tim Robbins, also. So funny. Such a good one of best It's idiots. so funny. You gotta love... Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe just, like... If you haven't seen the Hudsucker Proxy, it's about like so. Tim Robbins is like, it's it's a little bit of a riff on how to succeed in business without really trying. Where he's like a, you know, he's like a, a small town guy who's coming to the big city to make his way. He's got like his dream of of, of an invention or whatever, and he is going to get a job. He can't get, find a job that doesn't require experience except for working in the mailroom at Hudsucker Industries, uh, whose uh, CEO and president has just uh, uh, committed suicide in the middle of a board meeting. And so uh, Paul Newman, as the, like, CFO or whatever, the second-in-command there, decides to install uh, Tim Robbins as the new president in order to drive the stock to be cheap enough for them to, for the board to buy and maintain a controlling interest. Uh, and then Tim Robbins, uh, it, it, his invention, which you just see as a circle it's... for the whole movie, until... Yes. Like, he just is like, I got a great event. And he just, it's like a perfect circle on a white piece of paper, and you never know what he's talking about. You're like, is he just like, is his invention just a circle? And then, like, eventually it's revealed he's invented the hula hoop. And you have this whole sequence where, the building, like, the hula hoop goes through Hudsucker's R&D process, which is just incredible. It's one of the best sequences um, ever. <laughs> of, like, the building of the yeah, hula hoop. It's, so it's it, an like, amazing sequence. out to the stores, to the kid getting it. Yeah. It's so good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, the like, person... Yeah, because it goes... Yeah, it, it has that extra arc that you don't expect where it's, like, a flop initially upon release and then, like, all of a sudden it's a major sensation. Like, that 
that little dip and and re-rise in the in that sequence is like so surprising and so delightful uh, i think i have some breaking news uh oh i've gotten i've just received an email from the undertaker and he wants to team up with me <laughs> that's what i've gathered from the subject line of the email i'm not gonna open it what is what insane <laughs> why did you interrupt us for, to, for that you're sounding very quiet now again jesse you need to reposition uh -oh. no you're sounding fine it's okay. a good bit and he stands by right. it and i said um, yeah. uh, i would yeah. just I was just gonna say, like, it, I think the word is that Sam Raimi directed that sequence, right? Okay, the, yeah. the entire hula, the entire hula hoop thing, which is, I mean, it's the best. Just like the small little gag of like the person reading War and Peace, the people like Karina? behind yeah. the curtain, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Them trying to come up with a name. Um, it's so good. The thing about the circle. <laughs> Is it looks so yeah. perfect, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, "There's a thing that people talk about often in movies where it's like, if like a movie's about like a great like fictional composer, and they like have to hype up like the work that they wrote or whatever, and it's like it'll never live up to the hype within the movie." Um, the Circle is the best looking thing I've ever seen in any movie. It is a perfect circle. I was obsessed with it as they showed it. I was like, they cannot like. The bit of the movie is not that it's like a great invention or whatever, like until it comes out. But I'm like, if I saw that circle, I would buy, like, I would invest in it. Jesse's now showing us the email on his phone from the Undertaker. Yes. Yeah. Great. Just, just to make clear, yeah. that it wasn't a bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sure. I mean, <laughs> that, okay. Yeah, that means yes. I did not think the bit was that you fabricated an email <laughs> to interrupt us. I knew that the bit was you just interrupting us with a nonsense I mean, that's, email. That's, that's something that I. It's not outside the realm of possibility that I would fabricate an email. I don't. I don't think you would fabricate that email. Yeah, I think. I think of what true. Colin is saying. Um. um I, I mean, I listened to the Carter Burwell, Carter Burwell score, of spe specifically of the invention section a lot, because it just, like, gets me jazz. It's, yeah. it's just, like, yeah. very high energy and goofy. There's um, so many... The bit the of uh, when Jennifer Jason Lee is, like, pretending that she is from the same town and is, like, trying to sing yes. along with him at and the he same does, time oh he just starts grunting yeah. and you're like what is happening it's so good uh, but yeah he's getting so many bits um, that he does where he's like they're like talking about like what animals they would be and he's like you know you'd be a gazelle and i'd be like uh whatever the like whatever he's listening and he's like can i at least call you deer and he like laughs at his own joke uh it's yeah. just he's such a good um, smug right also with Jennifer Jason Lee, she's in all those scenes with John Mahoney, oh, yeah. who is basically like you can see like why um, Sam Raimi was so good at the J. Jonah Jameson scenes in Spider-Man. Sure, with, <laughs> like because it's the exact same energy with that character as he's always like barking orders and and yelling about like what will and won't like make the the print and stuff. That section that section of the movie is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. and there's also like. Man, there's, there's like his, his weird like dream dance, like yes. when he's dancing in his dream, mm -hmm. or is very mm -hmm. good. It's uh, it's just yeah. like, it's like, it's both one of their like goofier, like just like out and out comedies. Though it's also like still like has their denseness in it. There's like yeah. a lot mm -hmm. there. Yeah, 
Yeah, the only thing I've seen that's like I can even think to compare it in tone is um, Joe versus the Volcano, which I think has sort of a similar... I'm not sure if... I, I don't think any of my other co-hosts have seen that movie. No. Which is a movie I saw for the first time this year and, like, loved. I That that movie, if you if you like Hudsucker, I really recommend you seek out Joe versus the Volcano, which is a fantastic movie. And sort of has a similar, like, world view mm-hmm. and world... And, like, right. level of, like, just, like, craziness and zaniness in it that uh, that I think is, is really good. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the closest in their filmography is the lady killers which depending on who you ask either doesn't totally work or doesn't work at all uh yeah uh, but yeah yeah Yeah, they, they like they like occasionally like reach points where they they all use that energy. Like I think Raising Arizona had the yes, very like, right. Had, like, and and Burn After Reading. Too. Yeah, Burn After Reading. The Burn After Reading is you know it's like more like a sardonic like. Yes. Everybody's an idiot sort of thing. I think. Yeah, that's got like the J.K. Simmons stuff. Yeah, cause it's like, the Coens are maybe directors that you could maybe accuse of being like occasionally like very pastiche of like old days like a person Sturgis comedy and will make movies like that and they just like like making like that sort of old Hollywood stuff though they but they rarely get that deep into it aesthetically as they do here I guess Hail yeah. Caesar is the only other place yes where but mm-hmm. that, that's like there's an obvious thing there where they're actively trying to call to those movies right and they're dipping in and out of them um I will say the thing that like stops me from being like five out of five masterpiece is the uh, the Bill Cobb's character, the uh, the 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 clock man uh, in the clock tower. Um, Moses the clock man is his name. I mean, it's like a lot of the movie is them playing with these like archetypes and tropes in like such a fun way, and like that really is like the magical like wise black man type in a way that i don't feel like they have as quite a fun handle on as they do the like fast talking newspaper dame archetype uh with the jennifer jason lee character and like he plays like a he he, i this i i watched that movie for the second time for this podcast and Mm -hmm. He that character had really loomed large in my mind as like a big flaw with this movie. He's not in it a lot. He's in it a lot less no. than he was in my mind about in, in the second yeah. viewing. But he does like play a huge role in the climax of the movie, and and it like is fully like able to stop time and like manipulate things. Like I don't know it, it that character. I think I don't think they quite have a handle on what they're trying to do with that character in a way that sits totally right with me. Uh, but that's really the the only major problem I have with the movie. Yeah. Uh, which is other for the rest of the runtime, I just find such a delight I did, to, to, uh, to be in the presence of. I want to mention, you know, we talked about how great the hoop, the hula hoop building montage is. There's the montage of like his rise to success as he's just like laughing with everyone. And I was like, this is also so good. <laughs> um, yeah. I've got a segue if we're ready to go. Absolutely. So, speaking of Sam Raimi directing the hula hoop building sequence. A movie with a lot of Sam Raimi camera movement, <laughs> Heavenly Creatures, directed by Peter Jackson. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Peter Jackson? Yeah. Peter, yes. Peter That's Jackson. my impression of a, person from, of a person from New Zealand saying Peter Jackson. Great impression. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've got both an Australian and a New Zealander in the lineup today um, with Peter Weir. And, That's right. Um, Double Peter P. Jackson. Peter to Pete and Pete to, one might uh, say. Oceanic Pete's yeah 
Um, yeah, uh, Heavenly Creatures. Uh, Peter Jackson. It's like his like third or fourth movie, also, I, right? I think Similar... it's third. Yeah, third. Yeah, um, which is based on a true story of uh, two young girls who formed a, a friendship and eventually were to- like d- developed into a love affair. They're very young, and and the the families aren't into it because it's like the fifties in New Zealand or whatever. Uh, and eventually, the two girls form a plot to murder one of the girl's mother is like the log line of heavenly creatures um this is uh yeah i mean i was totally blown away yes 100 it's so good incredible like two fantastic performances of such like heightened and both their first roles like like, both their first movies it's insane it's kate winslet and uh melanie linsky uh who both continue to work to this day thankfully um I it, made it like a half hour. It's insane to me. It's so good. Chunks. Yeah, Jesse. Jesse didn't didn't finish because he couldn't handle it. But I sort of get. Why. I mean, it's a lot because like, <laughs> it's yeah, it's like the most extra movie that I've maybe yes. ever seen. Like it's. And I was just like, to what end? I mean, it ends. It's so it's good. It's so good. <laughs> so you think the end of they're gonna murder their mother? They is murdered what the, end the is. mom. Like, well, yeah, that. That was what I was saying before we were recording. I was uh, uh, reading the Wikipedia plot summary, and I was like, "What? So one of them gets tuberculosis, and then it's bridged to Terabithia, and then all of a sudden they're killing someone." So it's just crazy. Like, it sounds like it gets worse, is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I have not watched it, but it. Uh... I'm surprised Jesse doesn't like it. It sounds like the waves of it today. <laughs> I mean, look, did I think about Vox Lux when I was watching it? A hundred percent. It's not not Vox Luxy in its extraness. Yeah. Weird Schultz is much better at making the camera move around. That, I cannot is. believe that. No, <laughs> that is insane. Wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. Um, what a guy. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a better director though he is. <laughs> Peter Jackson sucks, but. Like I was to be clear, I was coming into this movie very hostile because not only do I hate the Hobbit movies, I also and I like the Lord of the I like the Middle Earth books. I do not like the Lord of the Rings movies at all. I also bailed on those after the second one. Yeah, I mean I don't give a shit about any Middle Earth movie at all. Like I've seen like two thirds of them across all six movies. Andy loves King Kong though. I this is the, I don't think I've seen any I, other than they shall not grow old. I think this is the 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 like eighth or this is like the sixth or seventh Peter Jackson movie I've seen. Most of which are either Middle Earth or documentaries. So uh, I mean mm-hmm. I was just like not prepared for and like Tram I think results. like you're so so the thing about the movie is like it's so built from the two girls' perspective and point of view where you are just like in their headspace and you're in their world so much that you are like often dipping into their fantasy world that they create as two like 13 year old girls are want to do together where it's like everyone's made of clay and there's a secret society of like poets and what and musicians and things and they're obsessed with like this opera singer who mario like love and yeah um Right, and, and, like, they're listening to his records all the time. Yeah, because this and is, like, a, a sort of initial, like, 
jump for him, right? Because like before this, he only makes his like movies about puppets murdering each other. Yeah, it's like horror movies, and it's like like, the bridge. I think. think. And yeah. we didn't say this is in Venice competition and it wins, uh, what's it win? It wins, like, uh, best, it wins one of the Silver Lions, uh, let's, oh, and that's interesting, Olivier Assayas is actually on this jury. What uh, won the Golden Lion this year? Uh, the president, uh, a movie called Before the Rain, oh, it's a tie between Before the Rain, directed by Milcho Manchevsky. And uh, Vive L'Amour, the Simon Oh, Gong yeah, movie. I mean, that's a better movie. Um, Vive L'Amour is, like, one of the best movies I've ever <laughs> seen. Um, oh, there is just... This was maybe in a weird era for uh, Venice yeah, Awards, be... where it's not the way we... There were three just, like, silver lions. They were just, like, these are the silver lions. And it was Heavenly Creatures, Little Odessa, James Gray's first movie... <laughs> And an Italian movie called Il Toro, and then a special jury prize went, of course, to uh, Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers. I mean, a great lineup. <laughs> um, boy, um, yeah. I'm so yeah. I mean, this is like the first Peter Jackson movie that I've loved, and I think like it's like the two performances I think are so great and like so locked into what the movie is doing, and it's presenting this perspective that I feel like is not a perspective you get in movies a lot. And, like, I'm kind of amazed that Peter Jackson is the one who was able to tap into it and do it. Like, you really get their, like, their passion and their emotions and their, just their, like, how irrational they are and all that, like, is just, like, in the, is is the tone of the movie, is, like, what the text of the movie is. Uh, and so when it gets to that place where they are committing a horrible act of violence and you are, like, seeing them... Uh, beat this one girl like seeing them enact the plan like the the slow steps they take to get to the place where they are able to kill the mother and then when they're actually following through on it and then the movie just ends because you've sort of seen a little bit of the aftermath of it earlier but like it ends so abruptly after the act and then you get like five title cards of like what happened from the script um it's it's so like it like the way that the movie has led you there and like been able to maintain this tone and this um uh and this like this 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 just this heightened level of like insanity that that the movie is like this whole fever dream of 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 art and passion that these girls feel i think it's like it's really remarkable and like it's... it is exactly the kind of movie i want to be watching in quarantine i mean where yeah. just like grabs onto my attention and does not like yeah emilio like it's the last fucking movie i want to be watching Uh, emilio talking about uh fearless and how it's like something he didn't know anything about basically or like what was going to happen like i knew that this was like melanie linsky's first movie i didn't know that it was winslet's until like the title card popped up but like everything else was just like a complete surprise and there's like so much wild stuff where they like go see the third man and then get chased by orson welles and it's just like black and white Orson Welles chasing them throughout and it's it's like Peter Jackson like I do like the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies to like a certain extent and like he's not someone I would like consider like a favorite but like I think uh, those movies are good and King Kong's good Colin's the um, number one boffer Stan yeah 100% uh, the Hobbit, the second Hobbit movie is like great <laughs> but um, and like I like the 1010 movie that he like co-directed but um this is like his it's because like the Lord of the Rings movies aren't movies without style like they do have a, a style that 
it adheres to for the most part and like he is like obviously a very stylistic style is boring okay sure but the style in heavenly creatures is insane where he's like doing crazy stuff with like lighting and like that i've never seen it like from him before and like as i was watching it i was like if this peter jackson who made this movie made lord of the rings they would be like my favorite movies of all time because like i don't know if he lost something or if it's just like something to do with like having the the big you know studio like shooting right i think he had to go mainstream yeah. right he like couldn't go but it's there so insane like how brutal this gets and it's just like kate winslet is playing it so pitched <laughs> and uh, like God, she's and she's just like <laughs> she's she, so like, good it's every insane. line out she's just like such a petulant child it's so like she like the the character is like someone i totally recognize and totally I mean, yeah. is like oh my god this is like this and type of person is like so spot on it's like one of the uh, you, the people you have met andy are like insane this is this character is they're like 13 sh- years old jesse like come on like everyone's I, insane when they're 13 mm, years old jesse not wasn't. Like jesse this. was listening to fish and like <laughs> reading the you know 10th of december not or whatever new development um uh what was i doing when i i was just like writing programs when i was in eighth grade okay programs like computer programs programs. computer programs (laughs) yeah that was that was my thing when i was 13 Uh, you're writing like yeah playbill notes (laughs) (laughs) um but the thing it's like the most basic thought you could have but as i was watching kate winslet i'm like it's insane that like people are this good at acting where i'm like this is her first like film performance and it's one of the more captivating performances i've ever seen and she's just like completely like in command of what she's doing and it's a stunning thing to see and like linsky as well like someone she's someone that i think is like a great actor but i don't know if i've ever seen her sink your teeth into something the way she does in this and there's the scene where she's oh, like, Lin- Melanie Linsky has given like 15 better I mean, performances. You think so? You're, I, I couldn't, like, what else? Melanie Linsky is great, and she's like five. Right. Jesse's ranking every individual episode of Two and a Half Men also in this list, so, you know, it's a high. <laughs> to go I mean, I, I'm not, I'm saying that I like Linsky a lot as an actor. I haven't seen, like, I've only ever, uh, seen her in like togetherness and she's like good in that but that's not like as a media role as this and i'm like i want to see her like do something this like intense and like gripping again where she's like well cullen adam mckay has got your back <laughs> sure <laughs> um, great sounds good sign us but up. yeah just sign like the stylism up. of like all the like sort of cut-ins of like the, cl- the they they have like the people that the they clay made people play, are just the best and thing. it's the craziest the thing i've ever seen um and then like the the opera scene that they're obsessed with there's like a great scene of them like you know fantasizing him in the room singing to them and it just is like so, right. so good. and he's clay yeah. and like it's one point and, like yeah it's all this stuff god it's so good and of course, it ends with uh, "You'll Never know. Walk Alone," one of the one of the best it's songs. Such ever, a good so, song uh, to end on, and it starts with you know uh, "Just a Closer Walk with Thee." It's got a bunch of great songs yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, the dad sings into I've the. I've got some more breaking oh, news. <laughs> Phoebe Bridgers. Phoebe Bridgers got a best new artist <laughs> nomination at the Grammys. C- congrats to her! <laughs> it's supposed Shout to be my home. birthday episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow, we Will finally you bring got some there. fucking bits in, Cohen. <laughs> bits? Are we a bits podcast now? <laughs> Let's read a list We've of a movies that are going to play bits. <laughs> the bit is that we have a podcast, I feel like. Yeah, the bit is anyone sure. <laughs> that anyone listen to us. Okay. Do we have anything else to say about having This is creatures? our best episode. It's great. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. Great. I hate you so much. <laughs> uh, our best episode. This is, it's it's going to be 15 minutes long. This is going to be recommendation number one whenever I want, anyone's like, what, do I, what should I check out? What should I listen to? <laughs> Can I go eat lunch? Okay. God, We're off the rails. Right, let's wrap it up then. All right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> See all uh, these movies. I think they're all very good. Yeah. yeah, I think they're all like just like last time. I think they're all worth watching. Even if I don't think they're all great, I think they're all worth watching and they're all interesting. Um, yeah. And thank you for the heavenly creature chat. I've only seen. I have a weird relationship to Peter Jackson. I've only seen the first two Lord of the Rings movies and then King Kong and the Lovely Bones. Those are the only movies that I've watched. Yeah. So I have a weird, yeah, relationship with. No, you can't touch the tooch. But apart from that, I think it's been a good episode. Jesse, take us out of here. We need to end this. Great. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at CanIKickIt. You can follow us on Letterboxd at CIKIPod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at JPGlickWeber. Weber has two Bs. Uh, Yeah, send Jesse an email. He'll talk about it on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that is what my email is. Right. Sure. Yeah. Try to guess when we're recording and send Jesse an email and he'll uh, oh, yeah. he'll read right. it on the air. Yeah, if you have um, any also, tours of the NXT Performance Center to offer us, email Jesse because he will show it on podcast. That is the president <laughs> we have sent. Um, and also, if you have guesses as to who chose what movie, a tweet That's right. at, uh, you can... at the at the at the kicky sicky handle yeah uh, send it wherever you can tweet it at you can tweet it at us you can tweet it at me put it in a message in a bottle honestly (laughs) what are we doing carrier pigeon (laughs) whisper uh i'm gonna plug the the new don delillo book it's pretty good (laughs) jesse's a books guy now (laughs) for like another week (laughs) say the title called the silence great um my name's Andy. Wait, you think you think people can't figure out what the new Don DeLillo book is? It's Andy? always nice to be specific. Doesn't he have like forty? It's of about them? professionalism. Isn't he a book in like what, like four years? Come on. <laughs> Do you think our audience is keyed into what Don DeLillo is up to these yes! days? Yes. We have very different ideas of who our audience is. I mean, um, unlistenable. Is this parents, episode so is incorrect. <laughs> oh, my, parents, my parents don't know what Don DeLillo is up to. Uh, 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 my name's Andy. You can find me uh, online at Andy T. Germ on all those things. Uh, I'm going to plug. I'm watching. I'm, I've made my way through Sex in the City. I'm now watching The Sopranos. The Sopranos is a good show. That's my plug, uh, Emilio. To be clear, Andy's plugging Gabagool. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Cullen. Cullen, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll okay. go if you don't mind. I'm <laughs> clatchly on everything. I don't have anything to plug. I'm ready to be done. 
It's Cullen's birthday, folks. We cool. love yeah. Cullen. Cullen's a great guy. He's so funny. He makes us laugh all the time. Thanks. We're so glad that he does this podcast with us. And he's, mm-hmm. a, he's a great friend, and we salute him on his birthday. Cosigns. Eh. My name is Emilio. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I Left Alone. You can follow me on Letterboxd at I Left Alone. Uh, this week I'm going to plug my good friend Cullen. Uh, he needs to shave his beard. Uh, our, our, pod, our podcast theme song is by Tree Related. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash Tree Related or search Tree Related on Spotify. That is it for me, folks. It's been a good one. I'm going to release our audience. Goodbye. Goodbye. Make me a